0: Ahead of the oddity that is a Bledisloe Cup test on a Thursday night, we're joined now by former Wallabies coach, an Australian broadcaster, one of the best in the business, Mr. Alan Jones, as we take a look toward that test match. Alan, a greetings to you. Welcome to the program. Thanks very much for your time.
1: Thank you, Darcy. My pleasure.
0: So, Dave Rennie, is he still the right man for the job? Is he still the right man to, to coach the Wallabies? No. Do you want to expand on Would that I, for us? I,
1: well, we'll put it this way. Uh, would New Zealand ever allow me to coach the All Blacks? Never. And nor should they. And nor should they. Because, you know, the national team has a particular culture. Um, you, The coach who, I've got nothing against Dave Rennie. I don't, I've don't never met the man, but he seems to be a decent bloke. But when the coach is finished, uh, you'd expect him to leave a legacy and continue to contribute into the environment where he'd previously been a member of it. We've had New Zealand coaches here and I've got nothing against New Zealand coaches because a lot of my friends are in New Zealand and we love rugby and they love talking rugby to me and me to them. But when the coach from New South Wales gets the dump, well, he takes off and there's nothing left. There's no legacy at all. Dave Reddy, I presume, will go back home to New Zealand. There's no legacy. And to understand what we're doing, I mean, how how does a New Zealand, seriously, how does a New Zealand go into an Australian dressing room and say, go out there and build up those All Blacks. I mean, it it defies imagination that that can be authentically and enthusiastically done.
0: What if you were offered the All Black job back in your heyday though, Alan? Would you take it based on that same premise?
1: Well, the thing is, it's a hypothetical, Darcy, because they would never, ever have offered it to me, even though, you know, in the pubs of New Zealand and everything, I could walk in, and they'd always be friendly, congratulatory, and supportive. But that's quite separate from e- expecting New Zealand rugby to ask Alan Jones to coach the All Blacks. It would never, ever happen. So, so high, and, and thank God it wouldn't happen. Mind you, I'm not sure... <laughs> I'll get into trouble if I say this, Will. I? I'm not sure that Ian Foster's the man to be coaching the All Blacks at the moment, but I don't understand why, why Robertson is on the outer. I don't understand that. But they seem to have brought Schmidt back into the regime now, and they're just, just coming off a very big win. So I don't know. They haven't been playing like the All Blacks, but... That's a separate point as to whether or not you've got the right New Zealander in charge, and many would say you most probably haven't.
0: Is it seen as a, a slap in the face around Australian coaching circles and Australian rugby circles that they've gone along this route of appointing pointing yes, ring?
1: I think a lot of people who, a lot of people who are silent uh, because they're such loyal rugby supporters uh, feel that's a slap in the face, but against that, they want the Wallabies to win, and so here's the coach, so you, you want him to win as well.
0: You mentioned Ian Foster and his uh, position and where he sits. How do you see his progression and what he's had to deal with over the time? There's been a lot of excuses made around the lack of success he's had. Is any of that justified in your eyes, Alan?
1: None. None. I mean, you know, you've got you've got extraordinary talent in New Zealand, massive depth, wonderful players, and they just haven't been playing like the All Blacks. Now, I know they've brought uh, Schmidt back into it and they seem to have in the last test changed the way they're playing. I mean, the, the all blacks have, the reason that I like the modern all blacks, that's until this series of failures is that they played with the ball in the hand. Now our great mistake here is that we're playing the ball on the ground and you can't, you can't win test matches by two things, playing the ball on the ground and then or roofing the ball away. The ball's the bank. And we're now constantly under Rennie have been kicking the ball away. But this notion of pick and drive has destroyed the game. So basically, you've got backs out there that just look on while forwards just fall over at the first person who touches them. And for the mothers watching, they see this thing and they think, my God, is this But They're wanting my boy to play. I'll play something else. Now, the All Blacks have got away from the ruck, or historically, got away from the ruck. When they've had clever people, forwards with, to play with the hands, they, they've used those forwards. But nonetheless, the ball was in the air. And they've shifted the ball and played great support play. Now, if they return to that, they'd be the authentic and original All Blacks. But um, they departed from that for a while and they looked unstructured, completely unstructured. They got a little bit of structure in the last test and it'll be interesting to see what they do tomorrow night.
0: We're joined by Alan Jones as we look ahead to tomorrow night's Bliterslow Cup on a Thursday night. Let's look at uh, the Australian contribution. Thoughts on, on Nick White, what him and his moustache brings to the game, why he'd be dropped, and what are you doing with Bernard Foley coming in in the pivot position?
1: You're asking the wrong person. You're asking the wrong person. I mean, this is ridiculous. Firstly, I would never have – I don't think Nick White should be in the team, but certainly I wouldn't replace him with the young fella that they've chosen now. I mean, you, you know, you've got a bloke like McDermott from Queensland who, you know, is a thrusting player. He's a ball runner. He's a strong boy. Um, he, he shifts from the forwards, which you should do, to give it to the backs. We've got outstanding young uh, boys who played, uh, you know, Donaldson and Edmed, who played for New South Wales in the Super Rugby. I'd be blooding them. I always, if I had a choice between a 19-year-old, and I proved this when I was coaching, between a 19-year-old And a 29-year-old, I'd prove that I'd pick the 19-year-old every time because I know whatever investment I made in him would mean that if my judgment was right, he would continue to improve. Whereas the 29-year-old most probably was looking over the hill. Now, to bring Bernard Foley, he may win the test, he may score 30 points, I couldn't care less. I wouldn't be picking Bernard Foley. I mean, God, he hasn't even seen the Australian team. He's been somewhere else. But that's beside the point. He's had his day. Now, We don't know. Young blokes will never, ever let you know. If your judgment's right, you've got to pick the right one, of course. I think Donaldson would do an excellent job. Um, And I think that uh, the young fellow Edmed would do an excellent job. Now, Edmed may not be available because they've got these concussion rules and so on, but Donaldson I would have picked and I would have put McDermott at the base of the scrum. You see, the problem here is, which which I hate being critical of Rennie because he's coaching our side. But it's never the same team going on the paddock. Now, as you know, rugby above all else is combinations. And that's what it is. You've got to build those combinations. You've got to build those understanding. The people in the grandstand don't understand. But to, to win successfully, there's got to be a lot of talk on the paddock. You've got to know the voice of the people around you. And the support players have got to be heard. Now, you can't. Bernard Foley's coming into a side where some of the people there don't even know him. And how do they respond to him on on the paddock? It's it's a mystery to me, a mystery.
0: Alan, let's talk about those combinations because in Ian Foster, even though you don't believe he's doing the best job, at least he's now consistently picking guys in the same position. So
1: very important
0: building that continuity very up.
1: Very important, and that may well contribute to the reemergence of the All Blacks. It's very very important. All of that, and and I, you know, the All Blacks are the All Blacks. I expect them to eventually come back and deliver high-quality football, but I think he'll need a bit of assistance and he might have it.
0: What about a Thursday night game of football? What does that say about the state of rugby?
1: It means we're second-class citizens. It's absolutely ridiculous, and as it turns out, of course, now uh, the MCG's empty on Saturday night because the storm have been run out of the league, and so the (laughs) the games aren't being played. The AFL's being played on the Friday night. It's absurd. It really is absurd. There'd be a lot of people who wouldn't know it was on on Thursday night.
0: Apparently it's sold out. I mean, is this just pragmatism from Australian rugby or is it indeed <laughs> just fear? Are they just frightened well, and they couldn't hoping.
1: go? You turn up and keep having, let's go along and see. It's like a museum piece, isn't it? Let's go along and have a look and hope that somehow or other, after all these successive years of losing, but as they come, we might be able to turn it around. But, you know, our, our rugby followers are very loyal, but I'll tell you what, the grassroots are being completely ignored here. And so while the ground, the game is sold out, in the wider world of rugby, you know, the clubs, the district football, they feel as they're being abandoned and ignored. And the game is in some trouble. You've only got to pick up the paper to see what coverage we occupy or, or, or listen to the news, and there's not a lot.
0: Alan Jones joining the program, former Australian coach, top um, Australian broadcaster as well. Alan, great pleasure to have you on. There's been a story coming out today in the Sydney Morning Herald uh, talking about the unfair advantage that the Harker brings. This story comes up pretty much uh, every year. Where do you stand on how they present? Because if people think their up heart rates is giving them an unfair advantage to start the game, they haven't seen the way the All Blacks have started in the last year because they've been terrible.
1: Oh, this is ridiculous. Nothing wrong with a Harker. I don't know where this stuff comes from. Uh, that, that stuff I just chuck in the bin, wrap up the fish and chips. It's, I mean, it's traditional. It's historic. Uh, I'm always fascinated about how long the tongues are of some of these all-black players. <laughs> I mean, they virtually go right down over their chin. No, the Harker is part of the whole Black, the, uh, the All Blacks history, and I think it's fantastic. And if, if you're in a team opposing New Zealand and you're intimidated by the Harker, then you actually shouldn't be on the paddock.
0: Does that front foot aggression start with the Wallabies when they face up to the Harker, Alan?
1: Oh, look, I used to just say to my team, look, listen, go make sure you don't get cold. Uh, you know, that's the issue when you're standing around waiting for the Harker. That's all that bothered me. So I said, when it's all over, make sure you sort of warm up again and just get into it. We never even thought of it. That's part of playing the All Blacks. you got the Harker. Forget about it. It's enjoyable. Part of their history, part of their tradition. Uh, forget it. Doesn't
0: distract them, does it, Alan? When they're out there in the park, putting all that energy into it.
1: Yeah, well, that's, that's always fascinated me. I mean, I think God, they must be spent before they begin. <laughs> they obviously aren't. They're very talented. I always think of the the, the Barrett, the Barrett mum and dad Barretts. They must be so proud to think that at times they've got three of their boys on the paddock. That's amazing.
0: What about a result tomorrow? Are you willing to throw one out for us, Alan?
1: Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> well, if the All Blacks play, if the All Blacks play according to their talent, then obviously they should win. I mean, uh, our team have got history against them; they are unsuccessful, but they're so unpredictable. We're likely to go out there and play like world champions. But it just strikes me that every time we go on, it's a different team, and we lack that sense of team. I would love people like Kirtley Beale and those people to be on the paddock who will attack, but will we will we'll shift the ball to attack? McDermott would have done that. I don't know whether this kid is going to be able to do it. But you know, at the end of the day, I suppose uh, the odds would have to be in favour of the All Blacks if they open up and shift the ball. Uh, we, we, do, we Look, well, to be honest with you, we defend quite well. I'm quite proud of the boys. They're very courageous and they defend very, very well. But um, you've got to win football first. So I don't know. You can't pick this. I mean, we've been erratic all over the place, up and down. So have the All Blacks been all up and down. So I think... It's a pretty signature statement for both of them. I think they're on the line. Their reputations are on the line. We're eighth in the world. The All Blacks used to be first in the world. They're nowhere. So I don't know how you can pick this. You just have to let it run.